brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Between Rounds Radio presents MMA Stories, the good, the bad, and the bizarre. Here is Monty Cox and Jeremy Horn. It's like day 11 of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm TJ DeSantis, Monty Cox, Jeremy Horn. Still hanging in there. Um... Jeremy, so you, is, you said you were day 11 in. My three-week supply of Twinkies is already running out. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that's not good for the comeback. <laughs> yeah, and how's, how's the Mountain Dew going? I, you know what? I actually switched to the uh, Monster Zero years ago. I don't really drink a whole lot of soda anymore. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily a move in the right direction, but now it's sugar-free, so I guess technically it is. But I mean, some would argue that it's a move in the wrong direction because there's more yes. chemicals in it, but... Oh, yeah. You know, whatever gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, there's there's different levels of health and there's different things to think about because, like, you know, fitness and six-pack abs does not necessarily mean you're healthy. And likewise, being a little chubby doesn't mean you're unhealthy. Oh, yeah. No. But, yeah. obese? (laughs) I mean, obese, I think, is up for interpretation. It's up for (laughs) – it's up for interpretation, Monty. You know, like (laughs) – like women back in Victorian ages, the bigger you were, the more beautiful you were. Well, the bigger the men were, the more the more rich they were and stuff like that. Right. So they were desirable. Like, look at this fat guy. He's got money to buy food. Come on over, Dude, big I boy. Keep, I am in the wrong era. Yeah, no kidding. You'd be a rock star back in the... I'd be fighting the women off with a club. <laughs> oh, man. Um I'm envisioning it as we talk. You know, th- that's one thing about you're those... envisioning fighting women, Monty. Yes. Hey, <laughs> the quarantine will do some weird things to a man. I'm just yes, saying. yes, it does. Um, I, I uh, I'm only winning one out of three fights, though. <laughs> it's a bad thing. 
I, I, I would always say when someone would be like, that guy's ripped like a power lifter. They can't put his arms down. I'm like, yeah, I'll race that guy in a quarter mile. I'll win. Yeah, no kidding. I'm out of shape, but I'll win. I promise you. Yeah. Uh, so how are we doing? Are you guys staying sane? Yeah, I you know again because I'm a loner. I uh, I get up and leave the house every day and go to the gym because the gym is closed. So I still get to travel a little bit. I can you know I go to the gym and do whatever I feel like. And so I'm my life pretty much hasn't changed. What do you do? Do you like play Bruce Buffer's introduction and like make the walk to the center of your mats and like take off I your do. shirts? Yep. And- and like, so far, uh, I'm undefeated, but there's nobody here for me to fight, so I don't know if that means much. Right. You're just, like, reenacting your glory days with, like, a grappling dummy? Yes, exactly. Does anybody <laughs> use grappling dummies anymore? Like, I saw one one time, and I think they ended up selling it to, like, an EMT because it was just the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, you don't really get to drill on a grappling dummy. You know, I don't know if anybody ever uses a grappling dummy. That's something I'd like to see maybe posted as a poll. I see them advertised all the time, and people say they're good. But I've, I mean, I used one once for like a minute and a half. I'm like, yeah, this is boring. I'm going to move on to something else. Right. You you just, know, I'll, I'll hit a bag. I'll, I'll do whatever. But if I don't have a partner to drill with, I'm just going to go hit the bag or something. Isn't you know, it good gonna... for like if you if you're working like a knee on the stomach or 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 you know punching in that from that you know on top of somebody. It seems like that would be the most useful is, is moving around. Even though the dummy's not moving, it gives yeah. you some, a little bit. It, it depends on where you train, though. Because, like, for me, I trained for a very, very short period of time. And whenever they needed somebody, it was like, hey, TJ, come over here. We're grappling, dummy. <laughs> I was like, great. We're going to do neon face drills. Awesome. <laughs> so... Oh. Yeah, but like in terms of like, I don't know, drilling with a grappling dummy on top of you in your guard so you can work on arm locks or whatever. I don't, you know, or are you mounted on that doing drills for arm locks? I mean, motion drills are one thing, but specifically as a grappling dummy, I don't I don't know how useful they are. I could be wrong. I've never never used one. The one thing that I saw, much, so. the one thing that I saw where it may be beneficial is if you have like a really heavy one, like a 150 pound one and you could do like belly to back throws. Like yeah. that, that would like, work. More like a, that's more like a wrestling, yeah. wrestling drill, that kind of thing. Yeah, right. In that what, regard, yeah, there's some usefulness to it. What are the chances of getting in the ring, in the cage, and your opponent is completely blue, short arms, and no hands? <laughs> yeah, good point. Why I mean, are they always blue? If it ever happens, I've only seen blue grappling dummies. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, I don't know. That seems. That seems not very progressive. <laughs> or how about the the punching dummy who only like doesn't have any arms? Like how does that yeah, benefit that you? Guy. Like yeah. you're gonna hit an unarmed man? Literally? Is there any other kind? I, I yeah, mean, I mean I would I don't want to punch somebody with arms. They could maybe I don't, hit, I don't want to get hit back. <laughs> Something tells me that Jeremy Horn is never an unarmed man. No, never. Yeah. Um so it's crazy not times. If not if there's an extension cord or a coat hanger <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So so Jeremy at least is getting out and going to the gym. Monty, what are you doing? You know, it, we we just recently got you know where we're really not supposed to go anywhere. We were still allowed to do drive-through uh, service at most of the restaurants and stuff. And and um, my wife actually lets me go out and uh, 
and do some of the grocery shopping just to, so I can get out of the house. Cause I, I'm, I'm Jeremy's opposite. I, I thrive around people. I'm an extrovert. I, I like to, I like the big crowds and, and, uh, so I'm kind of just looking around, you know, friendless, just trying to figure out, you know, some, something to do. Yeah. Welcome to our world. Friendless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, mommy draws energy from being around a crowd. Crowds suck the energy out of me. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to like paint a picture of myself of hating people because that's not the case. But uh, I definitely would rather hang out with two friends than twenty, because um, I'd yeah. have to find eighteen people that like me. I'm good with two. <laughs> uh, but we should talk. Yeah, a little, uh, you're you're back to the wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so, Jeremy, I think you've been digging down the Internet rabbit hole a little bit. And uh, you, you found out that while Jorge Masvidal may be the BMF champion of the world, um, I, I believe it was Ariel Helwani that gave Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, the the nicest MFer in the world. Yes. Belt. And uh, yes, hard to argue with that anointment. Very much so. Yes, he's uh, a really, really nice guy. I uh, I bumped into him one time in line. Like, again, I, I I don't think I'm anything special in this sport. Obviously, a lot of people think I'm wrong, but so I'm always still surprised when people recognize me, know me, whatever. But we were at a UFC one time, and we were all showing up. So I'm standing in line behind him to check in, and he turned around and recognized me. And, and he turned around, and he's like, "Oh, hey, it's you know, it's good to meet you. I'm a big fan." Blah blah blah. Just was just such a super nice guy, you know. Especially at a UFC when everybody kind of puts their tough guy face on. Nobody wants to talk to anybody, you know. It's really rare to see somebody that was just really open and friendly and and upbeat and, you know, just a really good guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, the first time I met him was after a fight. And uh, it was back in the sure dog days where we didn't have credentials. So we were, you know, running around hotel lobbies and trying to track people down. Like, I'll never forget interviewing Tim Bosch in the entryway of a Walgreens one time. Because that, that's how we had to do things. Um, but uh, Wonder Boy was was eating, and uh, I was talking to him and his dad, and they were both uh, like incredibly kind. And Stephen's like, "Yeah, I'll do your interview. Just let me eat." And he started like shoveling food in his mouth to like get it done quicker. And I'm like, "Dude, take your time. I'll come back." Um, but that's the type of guy that he he is. He will like you know sacrifice the enjoyment of his meal so he can make your job. Uh, a little bit easier and if if the world was that way uh we probably wouldn't have to worry about people going on spring break <laughs> the world was that way we'd probably all be speaking russian oh man yeah um isn't that deep th that that's very very deep <laughs> that's that's some deep state stuff if you will <laughs> you know you mentioned tim bosch he's another one i mean when have you ever seen tim bosch that wasn't upbeat happy and, and, and just is a pleasure to be around unless he's hitting you. Right. Right. And even then, <laughs> even then he's still going to like pick you up after it's over and be like, Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. You want to get a beer, go hunting. Right. Exactly. Like I interviewed Bosch, I think in that Walgreens, uh, after he lost and, and that's something not a lot of people really enjoy doing is that yeah. interview about a fight where they lost, let alone, you know, when he's probably going to Walgreens to get some Tylenol. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. And like I think that's the biggest misconception for people that don't know anything about mixed martial arts is the athletes that comprise the makeup of this sport, for the most part, 
they're pretty cordial, nice, polite individuals. There are some yeah. exceptions to the rule. And then there's also sure. even, you know, people like, like Bosch and, and Wonder Boy that we're talking about that are just like, wait, you hit people? You're the nicest person I've ever met and you hit people? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Who else, well, Jeremy, think- who, who else, who else can you name that you would consider close, to, close to Wonder Boy as far as just being overly nice? Well, I, I would say the far and away the nicest person I have ever met in the sport has got to be hands down uh, Amir Akila, um, my my buddy from uh, Kalamazoo. He runs a runs a gym out there. Um, hands down, nicest guy I've ever met. Uh, like outside of the sport, in the completely. I've I've never seen a guy that will go so far out of his way to help other people. You know, wants wants more for you than he does for himself at all times no matter who you are uh i'll never forget um watching him he was training with uh matt hughes matt hughes had a fight coming up one time and we all kind of got together and trained uh pretty regularly so amir is really really good on his feet um he's he's decent on the ground as well he's a black belt now but back then he was just he was okay um but he's real good on his feet and uh matt is uh you know sparring with him and Matt is just beating the shit out of him. You know, Matt is not was not the greatest at stand-up back then. Amir could light him up with one hand. And Amir's just standing there, taking a beating, letting Matt, like literally blood flowing out of his nose, you know, getting knocked down. Just, just taking a beating because Matt had a fight coming up and that's what Amir felt his job was, just letting Matt work him over. Yeah. And you could just see it in his face, like just... This sucks, but this is what my buddy needs, so this is what yeah. I'm gonna do, you know. Yeah, and, and Matt Matt wasn't a great boxer, but he hit hard. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna yeah, go I with mean, that. I mean, if, I'm just yeah. gonna say I'm gonna go with that. Every every time that I got my ass beat, it's cause I was letting them because that's what my buddy needed. <laughs> yeah. Lo- maybe you TJ are the nicest guy in MMA. No, no. <laughs> I'm I may be the dumbest guy in MMA, but not not I've the never nicest. seen you ranked higher than third. Uh yeah, I mean, it's dumbest. Okay, Never. perfect. Hey, you know, <laughs> that gives me something to aspire to both ways. Really? Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I would say and for nicest people, I got it. I got it. I have a tie. And, and uh, Jeremy, you know, both very well. And, and, and I always used to say that they're the same. They're the same person. They just have t- two different uh lives that they're leading you never see them together and they sound alike and it's, it's joe dirksen and, <laughs> and brock and brock larson oh my god yes, they are yes. doppelgangers i never put that together oh the drive true, drives yes. me crazy when they call it's like you guys are, i mean northern michigan and canada are, are northern minnesota and canada yeah i mean the accents are identical they sound you oh, know they're true. everything but the a Hey, you know, oh, oh yeah. I mean, no, there are plenty of Minnesotans that are like, oh, hey, don't you know, we're going to yeah. make some casserole there, eh? <laughs> like, th- yeah. they def- like you can find the Minnesotans that are just, yeah, it's Minnesota is like the Florida of Canada. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's- it is. And, they, and those two guys, they they will they were the same. They never turned on a fight. They never questioned a fight. They they loved everything about fighting. Um, Joe has fought for me for nothing. He'd just call up and say, do you need any help? I'll fight for free. And, and, uh, you know, never say that to a promoter and, and, and think he won't take you <laughs> yeah. up on it. Yeah, right. But, and Brock, Brock was the same way. 
just just the most humble. He, if you talk to him now, he'll say, "Well, you know, I wasn't very good, but no, he was really good." Oh yeah, and, and uh, you know, we with Brock, we we made a mistake. I made a mistake in that we we fought two fights in the WEC that we shouldn't have because he was hurt, and and uh, he thought he could win anyway. And both of them were against really good wrestlers, and with the injury he had, he couldn't stop the takedown and end up getting. You know, basically, get, got got ridden out, but um, but he still, you know, he'll tell you, you know, oh, that's that's okay, you know, it was great, and he just is a super guy. Yeah, um, I remember interviewing Brock in one of those situations where he just lost a fight, and he was still kind enough to do the interview, and that was uh, in Minneapolis. It might have been on a show that you co-promoted, Monty. He lost to Eric Davila, and it was a pretty yeah, big upset. Like Ten seconds. Yeah. Oh. And I, it was it was one of those fights where I hate to say it, no disrespect to Eric Davila, but it's like that fight goes that way one out of a hundred times. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Brock Larson doesn't get stopped that way. Um, and there really wasn't much to talk about in the interview. It was just like, so you got caught. Yeah, and like I mean, he was he was kind enough to do it, and you know, obviously as as someone who's trying to get content for a website. Uh, even even <laughs> even not a great interview is still an interview to run, and, and he was kind enough to do that. I'll never forget his fight in the WEC against uh, Kevin Nabjian, where he like shoulder tackled that dude, like completely yeah. destroyed. I remember having a conversation too with Jeff Sherwood prior to uh, Brock Larson fighting Eric Apple, and uh, Jeff was was Eric Apple's boy, and uh, he's like, "Oh, Apple's gonna kill this dude," and I'm like, "You don't know who Brock Larson is." <laughs> I, I t- I'm the one that was managing Brock when we took that fight and then they go will you fight Eric yes <laughs> <laughs> like stylistically that was the worst fight for Eric Apple yeah but uh, yeah I don't know there's I, there's plenty of other great dudes that we're probably not bringing up that we probably should but yeah but those, it's worth it for those guys you know um, Jens Pulver and one of his personalities was a super nice guy, <laughs> you know, he had, he had the super nice guy. He had a completely, you know, terrible wanting to kill somebody side and then about six others, but, but his actual nice side, uh, boy, he would do anything for anybody. Same thing. Yeah. Um, one of, one of the most like heart wrenching moments I think in MMA is Jen's final fight in the WEC against, uh, Javi Vasquez. And he gets on the mic and essentially, you know, thanks the fans and has that moment. And like, if I were to watch that right now, I'd probably well up with tears. Yeah. Like, like as much I, as much as you talk about how Jens could be a pain in the ass, like he, he a lot of times, nine out of ten times when he was doing media, he would just come off as you know one of the sweetest individuals involved in the sport. That's, yeah. Jens never had a filter for his emotions. Still never does. No, like what you see is what you get. He's 100% honest and straightforward, and uh, he's not afraid to show how much he cares about the sport and people. So, yeah, I'll yeah. venture. I'll venture to say that he was the first really great uh, analyst that was like an active fighter. Like he was, he held that role at that time very well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, he, he, I, I agree. I, mean, I just, I remember when Matt won the title and, and Jen's jumped. He's a commentator. He jumped over the cage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that might be a problem. 
that might be a problem. But you know, <laughs> again, he's just dude. He's emotional. But that was him. He, he that's, gets that's invested he in everything he does. Yep. I remember that IFC tournament. Um, you know where where Jeremy fought Babalu in the finals, and they're awaiting the decision. And Pulver's on commentary, and he takes off his headset, and he's calling someone on the phone, going, "No, they're going to read the decision right now." It's going to happen right now. You can hear it like on the commentary. And it's just like, it's so like unprofessional per se, but it's like, it's so endearing and charming of where the sport was at that time. And anybody that loved the sport that much and loved the people that they were involved in, like, I want that guy on my team. So a little eagle. Oh, sores again. Has has John Lewis woken up yet? Oh man, that's yeah. tough. That that was a that, tough. That was that was a bad one. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I heard it broke his jaw in like three places. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. It I never fought bad. again. Jen's had a lot of people that didn't fight again after that. And the th- you know the funny thing with that, and we might have already talked about it before, but Jen's was having so much trouble with this sciatic nerve and stuff. He told me before, and he goes, "I got about a minute." Because if I don't if I don't finish him in a minute, I'm not I'm, I'm I'll be done. Well, and I remember talking to him before that fight. He was still trying to come to the gym and train as much as he could. Yeah. And like two weeks before that fight, I go, dude, just stop. Just go home yeah. and rest. Like it's better yeah. to be a little out of shape but healthier than than you know go in there half crippled and sort of in shape. Like just go back and rest. Yeah, he told me that too when uh, when when uh, I, I it's in the book and he said. Uh, he, he, he goes, I couldn't, he goes, I'd be on the bicycle trying to ride and my back would seize up and I'd fall off the bicycle. And, and he, he goes, I just couldn't do anything. And he said that Jeremy said, look, you know, if you, if you stop training now, uh, you know. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You'll, you'll still be at 80%. And 80% of you will do better than you continuing to go and be so hurt. And 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 uh, so it's uh, uh, it worked. It sure worked out well. Yeah. But Man, 
I uh, have I ever told you guys about the first MMA show I ever went to? No. It no. was in it was in Fridley, Minnesota, and the main event was Jens Pulver against Robert Emerson. Yeah. And that was my show. Yeah. It, well, so the radio spots were running on the radio station that I worked for, and it was like, come see UFC champion Jens Pulver fight. And I was like, bullshit. Like, he's the champion. He's not going to be fighting in Fridley, Minnesota. Sure enough. Sure enough. It happened. It good fight, too. Emerson was no bum. It was a great fight. And I had no idea who Rob was. I think it was his first MMA fight. And uh, I don't I don't know if it was his first. I think we I mean we we got to scout him somehow. I mean he may have had it. amateur stuff. Let me look at the fight finder, but I'm pretty sure that was his first pro fight. First pro, yeah, yeah it might have been that because we saw him because um, because so much of what he did was stand up, and we thought, well, you know, we're not we don't worry about anyone that's standing up with Jens. Let's see here, Robert Emerson's first fight. So he had two amateur fights. Uh, but those were ultimate fighter fights. Um, yeah, no. Uh, first fight, Jens Pulver, ultimate yeah. wrestling, uh, June 29th, 2002. Nice. And he lost his first four fights. Yeah, wow. against Against absolute uh, studs. Uh, Jens Pulver, Jamal Perkins, Javier Vasquez, and uh, Dokun Jonas K. Mishima. Yeah. Wow. That's a that just I'm mean, going off the subject a little bit. That's it's a that's a you know a terrible way to open your your career. How uh, how about Mike Whitehead? Uh, all right. His first his first three fights: Tim Sylvia, Ben Rothwell, Tim Sylvia, in 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 two days. Oh man! All right, that's that's a certain time in MMA that that happens. <laughs> that's just a yeah wow what's the story behind that like where was whitehead training like how did that happen he, he was he was just a good a really good wrestler and and uh i think he was up in oregon and and uh we were doing that 16 man heavyweight tournament in hawaii and we we needed some at large spots so we put him in and he was the he was the last seed because uh, that's how I ended up with Tim in the first round. And then we got knocked out in about three minutes. And then, uh, we said, you know, cause the knockout's no big deal to us at the time. We said, well, if we need you tomorrow, you, you'll, you're going to be one of the alternates. And then, then we actually, uh, we, we actually had another alternate that was, that was number one. And that was, uh, uh, Ben's best friend uh, Ron Faircloth and so where we ended up needing the replacement was against Ben and I said you know I, I can't you guys are rooming together you, you, you train together I'm not going to put you together even though they wanted to and Strasser wanted them to um, I couldn't do it so I put Whitehead in and then Whitehead beats Rothwell to, to earn the right to see Tim again <laughs> that's bonkers that's that's got to be a hell of a weekend. Yeah, no kidding. Those three guys. No um, kidding. It's it's uh, every time I hear the name Mike Whitehead, my brain immediately flashes back to season two of the Ultimate Fighter, where they had to yeah. do that stupid challenge where they were trying to take each other's socks off. 
Oh God! Yeah. Oh, I, re- I thought you were going to say that. What really killed him in that show was where, where they had that guy crawling around his. Yep, that's what body. I was thinking. Him and uh, Joe Stevenson. Oh yeah, and they did it for like I don't know what they what they do like eighty like, or something ridiculous. Yeah. And they oh, I thought they did yeah, like two hundred reps. They did it for like fifteen minutes straight or something that's, like that. Some ridiculous. Yeah, number. they were. Killed, they were. They were dripping sweat. Yeah, yeah, it was bad, and then yeah, and, and then Franklin says, "All right, you win," <laughs> which is the best thing ever when you think about it. Like, yeah, I mean, th- that's the, that's the thing about the Ultimate Fighter. Um, it made absolutely no sense the first couple seasons. I mean, Diego Sanchez had to win an eight-man tournament, but fought four times to win it. You know what I mean? Like that, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and like. To me, I think that the show got better, you know, format-wise, but also got so sort of plain that there was no point really to watch anything other than the fights if you cared about those guys. It was so generic. It's like, all right, week one, we're all going to be sort of cool with one another, and then we're going to slowly hate one another, and then we're going to destroy the house on about episode nine, uh-huh. And it's just like, all right, I've seen this one before. Yeah. And they're feeding them alcohol like crazy, encouraging them, you know, to, to get nuts. Yeah. Uh, the, the worst one, I think, uh, w- like the editing machine, uh, really did Gabe Rudiger dirty. Like they made Gabe Rudiger look like he had never made weight before in his life. And he was eating chocolate cake minutes before he had to go to the sauna. Right. And it's like, well... There's some truth in that, but also n- not much. Right. And uh, back then, it, that show would same, haunt you. It's the same thing they did to Sam Sam Hager. Hager they okay. they made him out to be a thief. Remember, he was stealing stuff. When when in reality, they they set a they just set a whole stack of UFC sweatshirts and things like that, and said, "Hey, these are for you guys. Take what you want." And so he took a few. And had him in his, you know, he was going to take him as souvenirs and stuff. And then someone ended up, they, they, they'd interview everyone in the house and only two people would go, yeah, I think I saw a Sam take something. And so they turned him into this giant thief. Right. And, yep. and you know, they found the shirts in his, in his bag. Well, of course, he put them there. Yeah. They, you know, but it shows you, you know, they, they kept interviewing people and interviewing people to get them to say, well, maybe Sam did it, and that's all they'd use. Right. They they opened up a suitcase and looked like it was UFCstore.com in there with all these hoodies. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no. I uh I remember I interviewed Sam. Um, he's out here living in LA. Really a grinder. Like that dude is a hustler in, in the nicest way possible. That's what I mean. Like, not like he's gonna try to con you over, but he's gonna glad hand and shake hands. Like he would make a good politician the way that he uh, interacts with people and he just gets shit done. He truly does. Um, but w- one thing that I remember talking to him uh, about was I actually had the perception that maybe Sam was up to no good prior to the Ultimate Fighter uh, because he was at an Extreme Challenge show and he had a handy cam and people were asking, "Hey, if I give you twenty bucks, will you send me video of that?" And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." I definitely saw a handful of drunk people come up to him give him 20 bucks and not give him their address. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I mean, is that on Sam or is that on them? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. 
Sam, Sam, and I like Sam. I get along with him okay and stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. He had, he had kind of a reputation in the Quad Cities. He, it seemed like if there could be 20, 20 of us eating at a table, and if he would, he'd be the one that found a hair in his, in his food oh, and didn't want to pay for it. Right, right, yeah. You know, got to send it, it back. Yeah, or, or he'd be the one that we're all passing the bill around and stuff, and he went to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. You know, he just did kind of have that that uh, you know those guys you know, that reputation. But other than that, I mean, he's you know he's oh, always been a good guy, sweetheart of a human being. Um, I uh, the first time I actually became uh, aware of Sam is uh, back in the day, and it didn't last long. But he was basically doing a blog on the Sherdog forum where he would just describe what training was like at Militich that day. It would be like Militich training session Friday. And it's like, wow, this guy's giving people insight into one of you know the world's elite gyms on a forum. And I remember a lot of people were like, is this guy even real? Like, are we really to believe him? But I mean, that was really cool back in the day, you know, getting, because there was no social media. There was no Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. And, you know, when, when the champions of the UFC were training and Sam was, right there sort of describing what it was like in their preparation it was it was access unlike any other at the time yeah he always he always wrote about how jeremy horn was a complete dickhead never like <laughs> no that's not true that's not true uh um, no. some sad news today Monty. you want to talk about uh what happened yeah yeah um um tom sauer from ocala florida you know one of one of the guys i managed and uh and just one of the really good guys, you know, in the sport and, and, and in life, he passed away last night in his sleep. And um, I talked to Chris Hickman, who was his best friend since I ever since I've known him. And, he, and he's they think it was complications from uh, about a couple of years ago. He, he runs a big construction company and, and owns it. And a couple of years ago, he he one of those big cranes the turret was moving and they didn't see Tom and, and hit him in the back of the head. And I know it caused a lot of damage and a lot of issues, but he, he appeared to recover from it, but he was always having issues um, from that. And Chris said in the last week or two, he'd been having headaches and problems and, and his blood pressure was, was out of control. And, and, uh, and then last night he just didn't wake up. Um, really tough. Uh, caught me really off guard this morning. Um, super friend, so, you know, just so many, I, the stories, I mean, I could go on forever. The stories with him, uh, th that were amazing. You know, the, the thing is he had Tourette's and, um, it, 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 it really throws you off. You know, with Tourette's, you say things you wouldn't normally say. So he would say like the N word a lot. And and didn't mean anything by it and stuff, but that's just what he would do. And it made it really tough where you went with him. You know, you'd have to watch around to make sure we would come out alive. Um, you know, not everyone's going to buy the Tourette's uh, excuse. But well, I, th um, I thought I had heard somewhere before that uh, part of what the, what the thing with Tourette's is the the conditions that make you the most nervous are the things that uh, uh, come to fruition in your in your ticks. So, you know, yeah. if you're most nervous about saying that, that's what you're going to say. Right. 
know. So. Yeah, and also, and he he could he was a he was a uh, a fireman and a paramedic, and he it, when he concentrated, he could shut it off. It, it, he wouldn't, you know, when he was do, working on someone, nothing. When you're when he was relaxed, like if you like with us, if he's sitting at the table, he'd be chirping like crazy because he's he's not trying to control anything and it and it would take over. Um, but he we I, we had one way back. This was actually when uh, he fought he fought Jeff Munson for me back in uh, Extreme Challenge twenty. And after the event, he he beat Jeff. And after the event, we were sitting at Halftime Sports Bar. And uh, I, I, I got, he's, they sponsored, so they gave me all kinds of money. So I'd take everyone out there and buy them food. And we're all sitting, and it's me, and to my right is Tom, and to his right is some guy that was from out of town, but was just cocky and mouthing off and, and, and just driving everybody crazy. And so Tom nudges me, and he kind of gives me the look, watch this. And he, he turns to him, and he goes, stupid motherfucker. And he goes, oh, sorry, Tourette's. <laughs> he, he turned back around and smile at me. You know, <laughs> it was awesome, man. Um, that, 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 he, go ahead. Good. No, no, go. I was going to say that reminds me of a, a one of the shows that you put on that I went to, where uh, Matt Horwich, who was a yeah. you know, had a very different personality, uh, he fought Travis View, and uh, for whatever reason, Monty, you were very nice to me and my girlfriend at the time, uh, who's now my wife, you, uh, set me next to, uh, Chaz bowling and, uh, oh. sat cage side. He was a judge. Um, and, uh, was watching the fight and Horwich. Did I ever get the ticket money for that? No, no, there was the, no, I, I was credentialed media. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> and, uh, I was, uh, sitting there watching Horwich fight, uh, Travis and when Horwich would throw a punch, he would go, jab, jab, cross, jab, jab. And it was like, what is this man doing? And it was just like the way that his mind worked. He would verbally articulate everything that he was doing. And I remember this weird moment when View took down uh, Horwich, happened right in front of us. And it was like a hard takedown, followed by a, a pretty vicious elbow. And Horwich goes, oh, good one and it was just like i'd never been that close to hear the dialogue which more often than not doesn't take place between two fighters but right. it, it's just like it, it goes to the you know kind of what you're talking about with tom like where your mind is at and what jeremy was saying like sometimes people can't help but articulate the things that they are thinking about but don't necessarily want to say yeah yeah, that was that. You know, I remember the Horowitz thing. The other thing with Horowitz, I mean, not to be mean, but he didn't smell very good. You don't and, say. Yeah, and and a lot of it was uh, the obvious, but but the other thing was he he had a weird nutrition deal. He ate a lot of natural stuff and raw. Like he would he would walk around eating garlic, like a big square of garlic, and. You know, I mean, it, it, so so some of that was that, but it by the time it went through him and came out his pores, it, I had more than one fighter say it's pretty tough to keep your position on him. Yeah, I've heard a lot about fighters that are um, like that have a high uh, fish diet, like they eat a lot of fish, huh? 
that they tend to uh, smell a little funky when they're fighting. Yeah, I believe it. And I've also heard certain fighters are like, yeah, there's no rule about me not showering for a week before the fight. <laughs> uh, I I heard that uh, John McCarthy forced uh, Matt Lindland to take a shower before a match one time. I wasn't going to say names, but, you know, Jeremy Horn will. Hey, well, John McCarthy is the one telling everybody this story. So if it's out there already, yeah, you can't blame me for for sharing it as well. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I heard it's actually not not uh, it's not unheard of in the wrestling community in general before big matches just to not shower so that you got a little extra stink on your side, I guess. And uh, I guess Matt Lillen was known to do that in some fights. And John McCarthy said he went back to the locker room at one point and was like, nope, not doing that. Go take a shower right now. Well, you know, my ringworm is your ringworm. <laughs> I'll never yeah. forget the last time I trained. I hadn't trained in like six years. I went back and rolled one time and got ringworm. One time. Wow. Yeah. No, it's a great story, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People are a little more susceptible to it. No one tells them like you, TJ. I know. I know. But I got the scar to prove it on my forearm, you know? (laughs) Ringworm. Uh, You mentioned Tom Sauer and his fight with Jeff Munson, and I know we were talking about doing a watch-along. So we might as well kind of test that, and uh, we we can all do a watch-along of his fight with Munson and kind of maybe open up the, uh, you know, forum here to people to maybe if they want us to watch a fight, a certain fight in particular, um, we can do that. Maybe watch an event and uh, kind of get the, the commentary on it. Yeah. So, uh, can you guys see my screen right now? I if you, can. If you look yes. at your computer, you got it. Yes. Right. So yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and hit play on this. I'm gonna turn the volume way down because there's no commentary. But uh, this is Tom Sauer versus Jeff Munson, Extreme Challenge 20. Uh, all the Extreme Challenge uh, events that were archived are, are on um, UFC Fight Pass. Do you have pretty much every event on there, Monty? Well, no. I mean, I I, I put I want to say there's maybe 150 Extreme Challenges. There's there's uh, all the Rings USA and the Adrenaline, um, but I and, and some Extreme Challenge trials. But but I'm still missing some. I mean, there it got when I was doing it every week. It got to where I just couldn't afford to 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 film everything. Yeah, I and mean, so I, what, I pick and choose. What was the point of you filming it? I mean, I'm happy that you did, but you never released these on DVD or anything, did you? Yeah, I sold some DVDs back in the day. Back in the day when they were all when they you someone would buy one, and then they also were in the DVD business. Oh, selling okay. my my stuff. Oh, you gotta love that. So I, selling copies. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was th- there was a lot of that going on. Someone yeah. would say, "Hey, I just saw Extreme Challenge 15," and I said, "Really?" I go, "You you got it from so and so?" No, I got it from this guy. I'm like, "Okay." Perfect. And there were there was a lot of that going on, but I I did it because I I thought we were. I mean, I kind of had some foresight. I thought we were starting something that was really unique. And was was so different than anything else that that someday it would be worth it to have these, you know, these really old videos of of uh, the beginning guys in the sport, and and it, you know it turned out Fight Pass made it worth my while. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy it's archived. There's brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. 
or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's so many great fights that took place on those shows that, you know, people went on to become, you know, bonafide superstars uh, in the yeah. sport. And uh, to, to have that uh, is a pretty big deal. So uh, this Jeff Munson fight, this took place uh, at Extreme Challenge 20. I'm trying to find the date on it. Um, let's see here. Uh, do you know off the top of your head? Do I? Um, I got let it. Me think. Uh, let's have you guess before I tell you. I, I think it was August of 98, but I don't know a date. Damn, you are good. August 22nd, 1998. Oh, okay, yeah. Very nice. I, the reason I knew, we did it outside in LeClaire Park, and it was the only one I ever did outside in the park, and it was hot. I mean, it, not, it, you know, it was a night show. Sure. But I mean, it, it, August in in Iowa, right on the river, is hot. I mean, August in the Midwest, you yeah. could have a freaking tornado. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a little scary. That's the gambler. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, hit play right now. Look at that mat. Oh, so this is the cage. This is like the square cage. Uh, Ooh, oh yeah, yeah this we got audio here. Hold on. Cage. How about Munson being O and O? Holy crap! I didn't realize this was his first fight. Really? What is he wearing for a necklace? Uh, it's just a piece of string. <laughs> How many tattoos does he have? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> I don't think he has any. You can see in the, in the when uh, that was him walking into the cage right there, and nothing on his chest, at least. No interview available for Tom Sauer. Where is this cage today, Monty? You know, I don't know. I finally got rid of it. I didn't know how what to do with the cage. This, if you fight in Iowa, the the law in Iowa says you have to have a twenty by twenty, eight foot high polyurethane vinyl cage. And guess what? That's what mine was. <laughs> so, so no one else could do it. All right. So Monson yeah, with Mon- the takedown Monson early. Monson has no tattoos. That's him on top. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, immediately decide. I know how this ends. Well, I mean, I guess yes. was, yeah, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. No, I I thought I'd do a Jeff Blatnick. <laughs> uh, Munson working some hammer fists here. Like, he got that takedown within three seconds. 
Yeah, I think Sauer made a nice scramble, but just didn't didn't end up on top. Yeah, he almost turned him over uh, off the takedown, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to. I, I'm not quite sure what uh, Monson's background was at this point, because obviously if this is his first fight, but he still was a pretty accomplished grappler, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's a good wrestler. What uh, what kind of gloves is he oh, wearing? Those are the old school Quan gloves. Those are Quans. Oh man! I, I think the red ones are Quans. The black ones that uh, Sauer is wearing are the old Rev Gear ones. But that's oh, yeah, a good yeah. uh, a good look at what what we used to wear for gloves. I, I try to explain it to people, you know, like it was about the size of a deck of cards. Yeah, just, a pad just, over your top of your hand, and then a, a yep. strap to hold them. Two straps to hold them. It it yep. it looks uh, like a much more slim down shooto glove, but like you can see that same sort of like padding more on the back of the hand than like over the knuckles or anything like that. Yeah, that, it was it was ridiculously thin, especially if uh, the gloves were old. So I mean, the, it, the padding wasn't very resilient. Yeah. So after did, beating on it for a while, it might as well just be a piece of paper. Did he just try to knee him in the head? Yeah. Oh yeah, this is back when all that good stuff was legal. Oh man, uh, Sauer able to get back to a guard. Well, did, did, he did some good work there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows if Munson had ever really been in any sort of situation like this? Like, was he already training yeah, Monty, at ATT? Yeah, Monty, you're you're still in, in touch with Monson a bit here and there, aren't you? I wonder. No, we kind of ended on bad terms. So he, 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 you know, once he went to Russia and, and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's he right. Was, that's right. He was um, at this time. He was he he and Hallman were both under Matt Hume. That's right. I forgot he and Hallman both uh, were started there. I know, like whenever Munson would fight, they would show the graphic in the UFC. Born St. Paul, Minnesota, and it's like really. <laughs> Never knew he's from Minnesota. He's a massive man, though. Like, yeah. Crazy. And this fight has been nothing but Munson in top position. Right. Does he got a crucifix here? No. I think he was eyeballing a key lock. Yeah, Back then, that was kind of the deal, right? Side oh, yeah. control. What's up, Ron Waterman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. Yeah, this must have been fairly early in Jeff's career because he has not even once tried going to that north-south choke. Oh, exactly. That's like his bread yeah. and butter now, yeah. so... You, you know he'd have gone right to it if it was part of his arsenal back then. I love the moth that is flying around. <laughs> moth. <laughs> just, just, he, he paid a lot for that scene. No kidding. I was actually in the corner. I'd let one go every minute. So Sauer just got a sweep here, and I don't know if it was exhaustion that led to it or if he just read the weight really well, and now Munson is tapping due to a rear naked choke. Uh, Tom Sauer had exactly seven seconds of offense in that fight, and he gets his hand raised. Wow, that was awesome. So you got to you got to rewind that a little bit and look look what happens right before he uh, he gets that reversal. All right, let's uh, let's do it. All right, so Munson's inside. Oh, he need him in the head. Yeah. Oh he my almost, God! He almost need him in the head and, and hurt him bad. The, yeah. Wow. So with with yeah. that, what? It's interesting. We just went back and watched a fight where there was a stoppage because of that, and it was a DQ win 
for Henzo Gracie, against uh, who Frank fought Shamrock. against Frank Shamrock. That. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that was slick. I did not see that the first time. Holy crap! You know, I, w- I I would have been wrong. I thought. I mean, my memory. I haven't watched this since it happened, probably. And uh, I thought he beat him with a knee to the head. I thought that was the end of it. I didn't even realize he then turned him and choked him. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, wow. that pretty much was it. That was. 80% of the finish. That was the beginning of the end, definitely. That, 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 yeah, it's, it's, look at the it's size been, of the heavyweight. Or look at the size of the, the referee. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's one thing that a lot of people don't think about. When you take away you know knees and kicks to the head on the ground, it's situations like that that, that are also hugely affected. You know, a knee to the head from the bottom on the ground like that is a, is a good tool. I've, I mean, I've never seen something like that outside of the Henzo and and Frank fight where, you know, knees to the head of a downed opponent were illegal. Wow, that would be really interesting to see if, you know, the modern day MMA fighter who is inside control would be able to pull something off like that with efficiency. Yeah. Because we don't see that even in Pride. You're, you know, like in the later days of Pride and and uh, I think uh, I think Ryzen has, you know, knees to the head of a ground opponent legal. I don't, we don't see that. I mean... I can't think of another example where that took place and it completely changed that fight. Like, again, Tom Sauer had no offense until that moment, and boy, did he make it count. I think he, I think he did pretty good defensively in that he kept moving and he kept uh, – he, he didn't allow, you know, uh, Munson to, to to just finish him with with punches. He'd take right. a few and then he'd, he'd move. It was uh, – back, for, for back in the day – that was that was pretty good defense on the ground because we didn't you know it was early stages. Yeah, and it kind of shows you like where Munson was too because if you yeah. let Munson pass your guard uh, at any point in the latter part of his career, he's going to get that north south choke and it's over. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Tom Sauer would have need him in the crown of the head if he went for that and still got the win. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for putting us in the time machine there, Monty. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah, there's it's fun to look back and watch and and you know, I mentioned the referee, that's Mark Hansen. And whenever someone says who's the guy that could have been great that that just didn't, I always say Mark Hansen. Yeah. He, he and Pat started together. He 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 knew more for a heavyweight than than well, I mean Jeremy rolled with him and things. Well, Jeremy fought him. Yeah, and and he was a monster. You know, not not a great puncher, but a lot of power, and and good kicker. He he just could have been something, but he was a cop, and the police wouldn't let him fight anymore. So Wikipedia says that Munson had three fights prior to that. Um, whether or not that's the case is yeah, who knows? We went by what they what they gave us when they you know through the graphics. Right. We gave out a handout to the fighters. Jeff Munson has a professional boxing record? Really? Yeah. <laughs> 2 0 and 1. And uh, all of these fights took place in 2004. Hmm. Interesting. All in Florida. Um, see, this is the wonderful thing about technology and, and things like Fight Pass. Like, there is so much stuff there to watch. But it's it's so overwhelming that as a single person, you don't kind of take that dive by yourself unless you're told, watch this. 
this is the significance of why you should watch it. Because yeah. even even watching that, Monty, until you guys pointed out that knee, I didn't realize that it had happened. And like now that is going to be another prime example for me when I argue that knees to the head of a grounded opponent need to be in play because everyone seems to think that it's it's so dangerous uh, for the bottom man. Um, but my goodness, like if there was no knee for Tom Sauer there, like he's he's not moving until the end of that round. And I don't know if the, there was an end of that round. Is that was that a, the the days of one round fights? I don't no, know. No, that those those were the days I believe that you just kept going. Yeah, I think that, I think there were no uh, maybe maybe like a like a regulation twenty minute and then a couple of short overtimes maybe. Yeah, I can't. I, I I can't remember. I was looking back on that. I remember when, and uh, in, in the beginning, like uh, the my early shows, I did. Um, it was just like everyone else. It, it the fight started and it ended when someone quit, because uh, Yasunori Matsumoto would just let people beat him up till they get so tired that and then he'd hit him, and and uh, and stuff. But uh, I know before twenty. I, I already hit and had done, and I was doing a while. I was doing a ten minute and a five minute. Okay, yeah, that that sounds right. Jeff Munson ran for city council in Moscow. In Moscow, I thought he was running running somewhere else. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm just looking at Wikipedia. Uh, this is from 2018. Uh, the quote: "If I enter a competition, I expect to win." Uh, with Russian citizenship in hand, mixed martial artist Jeff Munson is running for city council outside Moscow. So I guess it's maybe a city outside of Moscow, but yeah, wow. All right. What a crazy sport. Yeah. All right. Crazy world. What What do you remember most about Tom, Jeremy? Honestly, man, just his sense of humor. You know, he obviously played on his Tourette's a lot, and he would... He would, uh, you know, he'd pull jokes on people like that all the time and start chirping at him and, and uh, clicking and clucking at him like a chicken. And But he just he just had a, you know, it, he was like everybody around him was more nervous and 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 uh, shy about his Tourette's than he was. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. He thought it was the funniest thing ever, you know, and uh, he, he would, you know, he would lean into it hard and make everybody laugh, you know, just uh, just, you know, re- really great sense of humor. Yeah, I, again, uh, he was just a guy. I traveled with him all over, and 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 uh, stop me if I already told this story because you know my memories uh, of what I've said. But when when we were in 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 Holland, and he, he fought the very last fight, and and he got cut up really bad. He had it went above his eye and then down the side, and I w- I went out to get a doctor, and they were all gone. They took off. And he asked me if I would sew it up for him. And I, I'm deathly afraid of needles. And, you know, he, he said, oh, I got it. And he pulls out a suture kit and looking in the mirror, sews himself up. And, and I'm like, dude, you're like Rambo. I mean, that's unbelievable. I could never do that. And, and at that time, you know, he's concentrating. So there's no stutter. There's no clucking, nothing. He's just intently sewing his eyes closed. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't strike me. That doesn't strike me at all uh, out of character for Tom. Yeah, he was. He he just did whatever. He was a big help 
weren't you with us, Jeremy, when when Pat when Pat uh, had the trouble making weight and uh, we had to go get him some IVs? And, you know, uh, and, that and, sounds familiar, but I don't know if I was along for the ride. I think I might have been there. I think I might have been fighting on that same card, so I don't think I went with. Okay. Um, and it, we but we jumped. I mean, Pat Pat looked like death, and so uh, Tom was he 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 would run around and he'd jump out and he'd run over to a ambulance that he'd see and 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 try to get bags of saline and and they 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 wouldn't give it to him. And he finally got him into a hospital and. Pat took like three bags. He was he was horrid. That was his worst. But then and he was that was the night of the tournament. And and um, he came back and and won you know two matches. <clears throat> hmm. But yeah, but I'm looking at the times. I, I it was fifth, everything was fifteen minutes, so it was ten and five, I believe, and then. Um, and then I, I, the Shoney Carter, Dave Manet fight went twenty minutes. I think that was my. If it was a big fight, you know, I, I made it two tens. And Pat, or maybe I just did a one tournament because Pat and Severn went one twenty round or twenty minute tournament. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, when Pat fought Severn on that same card that we were watching with Tom, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got. And, I mean that that one had the Manet Shoney Carter. It had some guy named Jeremy Horn fighting Todd Butler. Yeah. It had Noe Hernandez on it. That's oh, the one that Noe. had uh, I Travis Fulton and Larry Parker. Remember that where Travis had the big cauliflower ear? And, oh, and Larry, Travis always had a huge cauliflower ear. <laughs> well, no, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it had exploded it was the, over, over the size of a potato. And, <laughs> and Parker on the, was on the bottom. Every time Travis would hit him, Parker would reach up and grab his ear and squeeze it. Oh, oh shit! No, I didn't Travis remember would that. Scream and yell and call him all kinds of names, and and have to move. And then it, that's <laughs> they did that for the for the whole time. Wow. Yeah, yep. that that was. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Dennis Hallman w- was on that card along with uh, um, with Munson, so they both they came together from uh, Humes. Who did he did he end up fighting on that card? I don't remember. Yeah, he fought Phil Johns and uh, won. Uh I think Phil Johns was just at Invicta. Uh cornering yeah, somebody. That's, that's not too far from where he lives. Yeah, that's crazy. Um I was talking to a, a a buddy of mine that I work with there, and he's like, I think that guy was Phil Johns. And I was like, I I didn't get a good enough look at him. I was so disappointed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like how many people remember the the little giant? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Um, we, wonder what he's up to lately, Monty. You stay in touch with him. You know what's going on with him? With Phil? Yeah, he was a teacher. Ah, okay. And he he's he's best friends with with uh, the um, Bob, um, the guy that's he now rep Bob Long. Oh, that's right. I remember he, that Bob Long was the uh, real long red hair, right? Yeah, remember we had that that little run in at WEF. Yes, I do. Bill, <laughs> Bill Johns was wanting to wear Quan gloves. Yeah, because they're the only ones that fit him. He's fighting uh, Jens Pulver, and I made a big stink about it because I mean those weren't even gloves, and uh, everyone else was wearing the same thing. And 
Bob got really mad at me saying he's sick of me always getting my own way. Yeah, and I do remember that. Yeah. Jens was going to pay for it with his blood. Oh, Jeez. God, yeah. that's right. And Jens ended up knocking him out in like 27 you know, or 30, yeah, 30 seconds. seconds or something. <laughs> and, then, and then on the way back in, Bob Long says, he goes, we were winning that fight until he landed that lucky punch. <laughs> we, we definitely yeah. need to do a watch along when we have a little bit more time and uh, we can we can kind of go through uh, a, a good event, like a good tournament. Um, maybe people can like leave some suggestions in our Discord server or uh, get at me on Twitter or, or you two can put your brains together and uh, we can pick something because I... I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I enjoy watching fights, especially older fights with uh, with people like you that you know, have a little bit more uh, information on not just you know what actually happened in the fight, but you know what was yeah. going on in the world uh, of MMA and the circumstances that led to that event, and in you know even those certain matchups. Well, so I'll tell you one uh, we can watch. Uh, we can watch it now if you guys want time. But uh, my first fight with uh, Nate Schroeder. I was converting a bunch of fights a while back, and I came across this one. So we fought in that same uh, square cage. Um, and Monty, you've you've explained the construction of this before, haven't? Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. TJ, you know how this was built? Uh, I think we talked about it one time, but I don't remember exactly. Well, no. I mean, it basically ended up being a, a boxing platform with cage panels bolted on right on the edge. So there, there was no walkway around it or anything. You know, the cage panel sat right on the edge of yep. the platform. Uh, and it wasn't secured very well. Obviously the cage was, you know, hand built on the fly as we tried to figure out how this stuff works. But, uh, so at one point, uh, Nate Schroeder is driving me backwards and I go to step back and put my foot against the, you know, the corner where the wall and the floor should meet. And my foot slid out of the cage all the way up to my knee. Oh my God. That could have been really bad. Yeah. And I never noticed it until I watched the fight later. I just I dropped down to my other knee. I pull my ca- leg back in the cage, and we went on fighting. Nate yeah. didn't stop. Mark Hansen was the referee. He didn't stop it if he even saw it. I didn't notice it at the time. It was just that's the way fighting used to be. Is you went in there and not to like over sensationalize this, but you were you were ready for pretty much anything. Like not death, but like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't right. know anything about this sport. I'm prepared to fight through whatever happens. And that includes falling out of the cage, you know, getting getting hurt by the cage, you know. Well, yeah. to, to, to this day, if you go to a regional show, the first thing that I look at is the construction of their fighting environment, whether it's a ring or a cage. And, and you still, to this day, 
don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And I've seen oh. <laughs> I've, I've seen cages where uh, the posts uh, th they have pads on them, but if you were to put your hand in the very top, you're probably going to cut your hand wide open because it is just jagged, sharp metal. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, back in the in, in the day, they when they first started making cages, they actually had the cage door opening out. Oh, but yeah, but no good. one, you know, no one really thought about it. So there right. were several shows where guys run across the ring, slammed into the cage door, the door opens, and they fall up down the steps into the crowd. It happened in one of the early Strike Forces. Uh, Bobby Southworth and James Irvin went flying through the door. Yeah. And then you then you wonder, well, we should make this open in, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like, gotcha. I watched uh, UFC three or four the other way. I think it was UFC three, and uh, yeah, two two fights go spilling through the door, and uh, it was interesting because one fight John McCarthy separated them, made them fight back at space, but it was interesting he didn't separate Hoist Gracie. Hoist was in the clinch, <laughs> didn't separate that one. Okay. That's right. I remember the door did pop open, and Royce just refused to to let go. He's like, "Nope, I got I got my clinch." Right. You move exactly. back in if you need to, but I'm hanging on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know the other thing with this one, you can't really see it, but there's a wire go it crisscrosses, uh, like a plus sign on that square cage across the top. It's a, and that's what kept made sure that it stayed square. And then right. and then the, there were there were eight sections and then they were bolted in the middle but that wire was needed but if someone would pick someone up and throw them I mean, their legs would definitely hit the wire but we never had that i i never had those wires come into play yeah i remember you doing shows uh where i lived money at the medina entertainment center right in minnesota and the ceiling of that place was only like three feet higher than the cage like it was not there was not a lot of clearance there but yeah it, it never seemed to be an issue we, we did one in Cleveland where it literally, we walked in and Brad Kohler was the one that scouted it for us. It was a Halls of Knights of Columbus and they had a nine foot ceiling and we had a three <laughs> foot high cage oh, and, man. and there's no way you couldn't. We had a guy named, uh, again, Brad Lynn, Lind back then he was six, six and he couldn't even stand up. So we, we, uh, we had to creatively create a, a a way to anchor it just to the floor to do the thing. But you still, if someone would, you know, get up high, it would, uh, you would knock out. And they had one of those drop ceilings. Uh, it, it was, it was crazy. You just never knew with these venues what you were going to get. Right. You know, because I, I couldn't drive. I could, I guess, but I didn't drive nine hours to Cleveland to look at that place before before I, I did it, but I did ask the guy, "Is are your your ceilings high enough?" And I go, he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I think they're ten foot." And that that was fine with me. And then got there, and it wasn't. Oh man! I mean, the, I think the, they're ten feet. Like, nope, not gonna get it. The days before FaceTime and things like that. <laughs> now you can at least get a decent idea just by someone's cell phone. I, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I just hope that. We live in a world again soon where if you want to drive to Cleveland, you can. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would love the idea of a live fight. I'm, I'm going a little bit stir crazy right now. And, uh, 
I don't know. Sounds like Tony Ferguson well, and Habib's going to happen, but where? I, I don't know. Yeah, have, have they leaked any information about where it might possibly be happening? No. From what I've heard and from what I've gathered, they're kind of banking on Nevada uh, lifting this restriction on combat sports, and it sounds like they'll do a closed-door event in their uh, UFC Apex, which is their like on-site arena where they do Dana's Contender Series. It's supposed to be a really nice venue. I haven't been there. Um, but it looks good on TV and it's just weird to think that, you know, one of the biggest fights, uh, that the UFC can put on right now will take place in a building where there's nobody, nobody. Yeah, that, that will be weird. Like I've done that a bunch in Japan. When you fight over there, the crowd is mostly silent, right? You know, I've fought in front of 80,000 people and it's dead silent, but that'll be weird seeing a UFC like that, where you can hear the corner men talking at normal volumes. Right. I mean, we get that in the Ultimate Fighter, but like those fights are so significantly different compared to, you know, what's going on now. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope it happens. I mean, they've tried to make that fight five different times. And uh, I I mean, never did I think we would hear about an event postponed due to a pandemic. But I mean, that's that's the world we live in. It's 2020. No. no kidding. So, I, Jeremy, I can remember over in Japan, and I, I have the stopwatch, and you know all those people, and I go, two minutes, Jeremy, and you go, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we totally have discussions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. That's great. Um, <laughs> all right, well that that that'll do it for this week. Next week, I think we'll come up with an event. Uh, maybe we'll watch this entire event because I mean, it sounds like this event was probably solid enough. Uh, it really, just, really was good. Just watching the one fight. So, uh, suggestions, please leave them on our channel in the Discord server. Uh, you can also get at us on Twitter. I'm at TJ DeSantis. Uh, are you on Twitter, Jeremy? I know you have a handle, but I don't know if you're ever I, on. Yeah, I, I don't really check it much. I mean, I'm on Facebook a bit more. Um, yeah, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it much. All right. Well, uh, I guess just get at us on the Discord server. Monty might yeah. show up We're, someday. Which which have, channel is the, the most account. prevalent there? Are you talking about just the one for us, TJ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MMA Stories channel? Okay. Yeah, I think that's the best one. You have a Twitter account, Monty? Yeah. What is it? Uh, Promoter1, I think. All right. Let go. right. I'm going to go follow you now. Do you I have, think that's what it is. I mean, it doesn't sound like you tweet a lot if you don't know your actual I Twitter don't. name. Perfect. That, that means whatever you do tweets really good. Uh, then it's big. Then it's big news. Yes, real big news. <laughs> real big news. All right. Well, uh, yeah. No, I'm excited. This was a fun show. Um, we'll be back next week and uh, more crazy MMA stories. Sounds good. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time. Stay safe. MMA stories: the good, the bad, and the bizarre.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.